Okay, so we've been going through the Bible and seeing Jesus in every book of the Bible. And we skipped around a little bit. Uh, we went as far as Isaiah, and then we went to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then we came back. Uh, and then we uh, finished up with Malachi last week. And, uh, oh, we, we went to Acts also. Now we're back to Romans. So um, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. And so we're now we're in Romans. So uh, where was Paul writing to? Romans, yeah, good. Okay. Uh, Rome was under Caesar, and there was a lot of corruption, a lot of um, murdering of Christians. Um, there was a lot of oppression. And uh, so Paul never really got to see uh, the church there. Uh, now, uh, if you look, read the book of Acts, it kind of drops off, and he's, he's heading to Rome. He got to Rome, and then it just ends. Um, but uh, so he writes this book to uh, encourage the Christians there and to know what Jesus is doing and, and how to do these things for God. And so he really never met these people, and yet they still uh, were important to him in his heart to expound on God's grace and mercy and, and uh, that if we don't turn to him, uh, things are going to happen. So when you start reading the book of Romans, it is a very deep book, which is good, because we want to dive in all together. The first couple chapters are pretty harsh, okay, because God is holy and we are not. God is righteous and we are not. God is wonderful and majestically, uh, you know, uh, wonderful and loving and awesome and powerful, but he demands justice and he demands holiness, and we can't give that to him. And so if we are not with Jesus, there is a demand on us that we need to either have our blood spilt, which means nothing because our righteousness is filthy rags, or we need to have Jesus's blood spilt. And so the first couple chapters are pretty harsh uh, because we need to know without Jesus, there's nothing. Okay. And so he writes this to people um, who he never met. So this is really cool. Uh, long time ago, uh, Isla and Andrew picked out two um, kids that we sponsor, and um, they write these lovely like letters. Okay. Uh, each month, and we get a picture of our kid, and we have a, a boy and a girl. Uh, one's from Toga, Africa, and the other one's from. Uh... No. Nope. Oh, I forgot. But anyway, uh, they're both wonderful kids, and um, it's interesting. We have pictures, we have letters, you know, it comes to us, but we've never met this person. Like we're trusting on the company that gives them money and helps them, and these pictures, and so that's just like uh, you know. Uh, when Paul wrote this letter, he really never met them, but he encourages them, helps them, and actually um, helps them with funding and things like that. So, in the book of Romans was written in the Apostle Paul in approximately 57 or 58 um, AD as a letter of to the epistles to the church in Rome. This is a letter that instructs the nature intended to provide direction, encouragement, and guidance uh, for that community of believers. At that time, Paul wrote the letter. He had never visited the church in Rome. Indeed, Romans was actually written while he was in Corinth, where we get first and second Corinthians, good, uh, on his third missionary journey. In other words, Paul was a balance of familiarity and care of Paul, takes a state of the letter to introduce himself, and then goes into the scripture. Because who was Paul before he was Paul? Saul, and he was actually going around killing Christians and persecuting them, and then he had a conversion, and then now he's Paul, and people are like, 
this is the same guy. I don't know what he's going to do. So he had to introduce himself to, to other people. And so Paul's understanding of the church and the community of believers were that we were reaching out and offering guidance to people in this strange time of persecution. Many years ago, a man was hired, an experienced guide, to lead him to a hike in the Swiss Alps. After many hours, they came to a high and remote mountain pass. To the man's dismay, he saw the path that almost washed out. What could he do? To the left was a sheer rock of cliff. To his right, a precipice that dropped off nearly 1,000 feet. Looking down, the felt, he felt in his head growing faint and his knees beginning to buckle. At that moment, his guides shouted, Do not look down or you're a dead man. Keep your eyes on me, and where I put my foot, you put yours also. The man did what was instructed, and soon they passed the danger to safety. Just like Paul here in Romans. He's saying, look, there's a sheer cliff on this side of desires that will lead to death, and there's another side of the cliff that's leading to hell. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and I'm going to help you through the path. And so here's, I just want to get that introduction because Romans is, is a really good, deep book of how God sees us, how Jesus came with grace, and how we can help each other. So, when we get into Romans, it says, pretty much answering these questions, who was punished for our sin? Now, we could say, nobody, and we get punished for our sin, which we don't want to do that, do we? We don't want the justice of God on ourselves. There is no way I want the justice of God to myself. Why? Because I'll be crushed. There's nothing holding God's wrath back from me if I just didn't have Jesus. Now, it is his anger is restrained because he wants everybody to come to repentance. But my, my punishment should be that I should die and go to hell. Everybody. Everybody's on the direction to hell. Now, what Jesus is doing is saying, hey, look, I have safety over here in this boot. we got to go backwards. So, who's punished for your sins? Is it you, which you can't do, or Jesus? Who rules your desires? Oh, that's a good one today. If it's just you, then your moral compass is, well, if it feels good, do it. Ah, there you go. Okay? If it's okay in this situation, then maybe tomorrow it's not okay in this situation. That's called what? Situational ethics. So, are your desires ruled by situations, or are your desires ruled by Jesus? Now, what desires are you satisfying? Are you satisfying your selfish desires of me, myself, and I? Or are you, are you having the desires satisfied by Jesus? Who will release you from pain and this earth when he comes back? If it's yourself, there's no way you're going to release your pain. If you're with Jesus, he releases the pain of earth and our pain from our physical bodies. Who are we supposed to be like? If we're well, right, we're supposed to be like Jesus, but a lot of times we're we want to be like who? The people we listen to, the music, the heroes and heroines, even maybe some people who have gone the wrong path. But guess what those people do? In a hundred years, they'll never be remembered. But Jesus will always be remembered. Our spiritual bodies always will be here. When we were born, our spirit never dies. It's either going to go to hell or it's going to go to heaven. And so, pretty much, Romans is about the direction where you're going and how to get there. It's Jesus, but how do we get from here to here? 
And how does that faith work in our life? And so here we go. We're going to go jump to Romans chapter 8. I encourage you to read Romans. It's a really good book. Or come on Tuesday nights. Or come on Tuesday nights. We're discussing it really. I mean, we're only on the third chapter and we started when? Like in April or something. Yeah. Anyway, we get some really good discussions. Romans chapter 8. So we're just going to stay in Romans chapter 8 if you want to open your Bibles. If not, it's up on the board here. So we're going to answer some of these questions. Actually, Paul's going to answer some of these questions with the, with the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, 1 through 4. If you belong to Christ Jesus, so this is the assumption when we're getting into the scripture, if you belong to Jesus, which you need to have faith in him, which you need to come to him, not me, not this church, not membership, you need to come to Jesus. You won't be punished. Now, why would we want to be punished? Because we have sin in our life. Sin is apart from God. Holiness is with God. Holiness sets us apart with God's Holy Spirit. If we're punished, then we're with sin, and we're still in our sin, and we're still filthy. We need to be cleaned. So, verse 2, the Holy Spirit will give you life, comes from Christ Jesus, and will set you free from sin and death. The law of Moses cannot do this. Because our selfish desires make the law weak. Now, the law is perfect. The law actually tells us in the Old Testament, what are we? We can't do it. The law, for for hundreds and thousands of years, says we cannot do it. And so, something had to happen. But God, I love the buts and ands of the Bible. Ready? But God set you free when he sent his son to be like us, sinners, And to be sacrificed for our sin. God used Christ's body to condemn sin. Listen to that. Let me say it one more time. God used Christ's body to condemn sin. It means if we don't want to have punishment, who do we have to go to? That's Jesus, because Jesus already took the punishment away. If we are not with Jesus, we are still in Punishment. We are still in sin. We are still wandering about in our own filth. He did this. Who did this? Jesus did this so that we would do what the law commands by obeying the spirit instead of our own desires. So if we follow our own desires, if we say, hey, God, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Then it's going to wind up in death. The second death. Now, we all physically are going to die because Adam sinned and we have physical death. Things are going hell in a handbag. I mean, just look at the world. The second death, we don't want. We don't want our spirit to be eternally damned. We want Jesus. We want life. And so the only way for life is through the spirit. And the only way to get the spirit is through... Oh, there you go. Come on now. So we have the law. The law is good. The law points us to our sin. And we have Jesus who takes the punishment of the law and brings us to God. So if Jesus is punished for you, then do you follow your own desires or do you follow the one who saved you? That's the question. So if we understand that we are following Jesus in faith, then there is going to be a change. Like we always say in this sign, everybody's welcome, but you're not going to stay the same. When you come to Jesus, you are going to be different. 
You're going to be different in your desires. You're going to be different in your way of life. You're going to be different in your thinking. You're going to be different in how you act and how what you watch and what you... So here's what people don't understand. People just understand that Christianity is just a bunch of rules. Right? They're like, well, it's boring. You never have any fun. You just took all the fun away. It's not a set of rules. It is through Jesus Christ we put our faith in and our heart changes. And when it changes, we want to do these things. When you have a good mom and dad, what do you want to do? You want to do things for them to please them. Not because you have to. Mom and dad will still love you. If Well, hopefully they still love you. If you do all kinds of weird and bad things. God still loves us. But we need Jesus to take the sin away. And when that happens, we are in love. We are deeply, madly in love with Jesus. And so we want to do these things. God's not doing a, God's not doing a checklist saying, well, here, you did that, you did that. That would be works. We can't save ourselves by works. And so Jesus said, okay, I've marked all of it down. Now come to me and we want to do it. We want to follow our leader. We want to follow our father. We want to follow our king and savior. So, who rules your desires? Look at Romans 8, 5 through 11. And people, I'm not perfect at this. I battle every day with my desires. But because I have the Holy Spirit, I can say no. It gives me the option. People who are ruled by their desires think it only of who? Hmm. Everyone who is ruled by the Holy Spirit thinks about spiritual things. If our minds are ruled by our desires, we will die. But if our minds are ruled by the Spirit, we will have life and peace. Our desires fight against God because they do not and cannot obey God's laws. If we follow our desires, we cannot please God. So here we go. Remember I told you the caveat is that we're with Jesus. You are no longer ruled by your desires, but by God's Spirit who lives in you. People who don't have the Spirit of Christ, in them they don't belong to him. But Christ lives in you, so you are alive because God has accepted you, even though your bodies must die physically because of your sins. Yet God raised Jesus to life. God's Spirit now lives in where? In you. Not in the building. Not in a bunch of books or rules. The Spirit now lives in you. And Jesus, or he, will raise you to life by his spirit. When does a Christian get raised to the spirit? When he becomes a Christian. When he puts his faith in Jesus, we are spiritually connected to God and we have a spiritual outlook. We don't look at things, we look at things differently. There's a spiritual warfare. That's why God says we can love our enemies because they're fighting the devil and the demons that they have. They might not even know it. But with our eyes of discernment, with the spirit, we're like, we're not battling against flesh and blood. We're not punching them in the nose or kicking them, okay, or beating them down or throwing the book at them. We're supposed to love them because we know they're struggling with something spiritual rather than physical. And so that's why God says our desires have to stop. We have to step back and say, okay, I want to beat this guy up. I want to kick him everywhere possible. I want to get him bloody on the floor. That's my desire. I'm going to step into the spirit and I'm going to love him. 
That's hard. It is not easy being a Christian. It is not a set of rules. It is a faith in Jesus and loving others as Jesus has loved us. And forgiving others as he forgiven us. I mean, if, if he had forgiven me with all my desires and ripped that out of there, then what right do I have to be mad or angry at anybody else? What right do I have not to forgive? I have no right. Because Jesus has forgiven me of everything that I've done in the past and in the future. What right do we have? None. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Not me. Now, am I perfect at that? By no means. And I battle with that every day. But again, the spiritual armor and the Spirit of God in me can fight it and say no and stick with it. Because he gives us power through the Holy Spirit. And when he gives us power through the Holy Spirit, then our desires change. And what are we satisfying? Here we go. Romans chapter 8, 12 through 17. Who, what desires are you satisfying? I mean, we could desire, you know, if you're satisfying your desires of, uh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Nothing wrong with rock and roll. But anyway, um, if you're fulfilling your desires of those things, yeah, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter to me. Go for it. You're following the world. You're following what your desires are. And they're going to lead to death. But if you want life, you're going to satisfy the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control. Look at Romans chapter 8, 12 through 17. My dear friends. Now, listen to this. They're in Rome, people. Caesar is coming after Christians. And he's saying, oh, by the way, think differently. Love your enemies. What? Yeah, they want to throw you in uh, the arena with lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, very good. Um, and they want to throw you in there naked, and they want to they want to have sport of it, and see blood and everywhere, and broken bones and everything. They want to do that to Christians, and and God's saying here, love your enemies. And we think it's hard today to love our enemies. Nobody's searching for us to put us in in. Uh, uh, where do we go, Dean, to play soccer? The Stadium for this New England people. Yeah, Gillette Stadium. Nobody's throwing us in Gillette Stadium and saying, hey, Christians, go at it. We'll pay for it. Until that happens, maybe you might have an excuse. But here's Jesus. Here's Jesus through, through Paul saying, look, your desires are you want to kill Rome. Your desires is you want to, like, beat the living snot out of it. But I'm telling you there's something different. There's something better. There's something bigger than yourself. Satisfy these desires. Romans 8, 12 through 17. My dear friends, we must not live to satisfy our desires. And we should like plaster that everywhere in America. If you do, you will. But you will live if by the help of God's spirit, you say no to your desires. No, stop that. You got to say that to yourself. Okay. No. Like a squirt bottle. Bad Frankie. Instead, we become his children and call him our father. God's spirit makes us sure that we are his children. His spirit leads us 
I mean, lets us know that together with Christ, we will be given what God has promised. We will also share in the glory of Christ because we have what? Suffered with him. It's okay to suffer. There's nothing wrong with it. If we didn't have pain receptors in our body, we wouldn't know not to do that. Right? There are people who have that rare disease that they, they can't feel pain. I mean, they could die with a cup on their finger. So we should praise God when we have pain because we know what hurts. And we can go to the doctor and say, hey, this hurts. But sometimes that suffering leads us to help other people for compassion and empathy. It's okay to suffer. Because when Jesus comes back, there ain't going to be any suffering. And we're only like a dot of eternity. I mean, if we, if we drew it out, it would be one little dot, and then the whole building would be a line of eternity. So we're suffering that much. And if we take away that suffering and say, well, we're just going to do our own desires, and we're going to just play whatever we want to do, and, you know, whatever. And then eternity, we're not with Jesus. I'd rather suffer now and be with Jesus forever. But it all depends on what your desire you're satisfying. Are you satisfying God's desires for our life or ourselves? And we can say no. By the Spirit, we can say no. And the cool thing is, he'll release the earth from pain and give us a future. Look at Romans 8, 18 through 25. Now, if anybody suffered, it was Paul. Paul actually prayed for God to take away his suffering and didn't. Why? Because it humbled him. It made him a better man. It gave him empathy. I pray for God to take away a couple things in my life. Has he done it? Nope. Is he still loving God? Yep. Because he's showing me how to change. And I thank God for my sufferings. I know that sounds weird. But when you're a Christian, your desires, your mind changes. And you see the spiritual help and direction of your sufferings. Look at this, Romans chapter 8, 18 through 25. I am sure what we are suffering now cannot compare with the glory that will be shown to us. In fact, all creation is eagerly waiting for God to show who his children are. Meanwhile, creation is confused. Anybody agree with that? <laughs> yep. I mean, just look at, uh, you know, uh, let's see, uh, fall became before summer, and then summer's here now. And Yeah, it's messed up. But not because it wants to be confused. God made it this way in the hope that creation would be set free from decay and would share in the glorious freedom of his children. We know that all creation is still groaning as in pain, like a woman about to give birth. Katie, how much did you scream when you were giving birth? Okay. But why? Why do we go through that? Because at the end, we have a baby. And all that pain just goes away. Now, if there was no purpose at the end of that, you'd be like, why am I doing this? But for some reason, holding my kid and me fainting because I saw blood hitting my head, and I was in the next bed with Katie. But anyway, Katie and I say it was all worth it. And so we're suffering now. Nature is suffering. Look at New York City. Pray for them, please. 
floods everywhere. Creation is under a curse. Our physical bodies are under a curse. But when God comes back, it's all going to be awesome. I don't want you to miss that. If we're putting priorities in the wrong thing, you're going to miss it. The Spirit makes us sure about what we will be in the future. But now we groan silently. Well, some of us groan silently. Some of us yell, but that's okay. While we wait for God to show that we are his children. That means that our bodies will also be set free. And this hope is what saves us. But if we already have what we hope for, there's no need to keep on hoping. So will there be hope in heaven? Nope, because we're going to be right with Jesus. But today we have hope. However, we hope for something we have not seen, and we patiently wait for it. We patiently wait for it. So if we're waiting, why not be like somebody else? Why not be like our Savior? Why not live with love, joy, peace, patience? Even if you don't believe in God, why wouldn't you want to come to Jesus? He's the life. He's the light. He is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Why wouldn't you want that? I don't understand why other people were like, no, I don't want that. I don't want patience. I don't want self-control. I just want to do what I want to do. I don't understand that. Look at Romans chapter 8, 26 through 30. In certain ways, we are weak. But the Spirit is here to help us. Connect into the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there for a reason. For example, when we do not know what to pray for, the Spirit prays for us in ways that we cannot put into words. Have you ever been there? I I don't even know what to pray. I'm a slobbering mess on the floor. That happens more now than in the past. Because I just don't know what to do. I go to God. And there are words that I speak that it's only through the Holy Spirit. All of our thoughts... This is a little scary here. Or it could be very hopeful. All of our thoughts are known by God. He can understand what is in the mind of the Spirit as the Spirit prays for God's people. We know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. We abuse that scripture a lot. What does it say? We know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who what? Loves him. That's the caveat. There are the ones God has chosen for his purpose. And he always knows who his chosen ones would be. He had decided to let them become like his own son. So his son would be the first of many children. God then accepted the people he had already decided to choose, and he has shared his glory with them. He's given us the option, guys. He chose to let us come to him. And knowing who's going to heaven and hell is different than forcing them to heaven and hell. Everybody has a choice. Does he know? Yes. But he's never going to force anybody. You have a choice. Make it today. Faith in Jesus is eternal. It is like a wedding. It is forever. It is a commitment. Don't take it lightly, but do it. (laughs) Because once we start that faith journey... We learn more and more because we have the Holy Spirit now. We can be spiritually mature. When we're kicking and screaming as a baby Christian, 
what happens? We got to get the word. We got to get the food. We got to get the milk. And then we get into the deep stuff. But don't stay there. You don't see me going around with a diaper and a a bottle and a little binky, right? You would say what? It's a little weird, dude. Okay? But you mature because I've, my mom and dad taught me how to live and, and things like that. And I grow and I mature. So we don't want you to stay baby Christian. We want you to get into the word. We want you to get the milk first, the, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. And then you get deep into the word and you see these things and the spirit helps you. You don't have to know anything except for Jesus to come. People are like, well, I gotta learn the Ten Commandments. I gotta learn all 683 laws. I gotta, I gotta do this. I got No, you don't. Jesus took care of all those things. It is faith in Jesus. And then we start learning. Well, I'm really bad. I, the church building will fall down if I come there. No, it won't. Has nothing to do with the physical building. You need to start with Jesus. And then we learn. And then we change has nothing to do with what you are now. It has everything to do with Jesus and putting faith in him. And then we are led to life. So, here's your choice. Ready? If you follow Jesus' desires, that leads to life. Or what? Or you follow your own desires that lead to death. That's it. I should have started with that, and then we would be out of here in time. That's the choice. There's no gray area. There's no in-between. You either follow Jesus' desires that lead to life, or you don't, and you lead to death. Who wants life? Hopefully everybody raises their hand, or everybody answers that question. But they just don't want to change enough. They don't want to have Jesus, because then they'll be liable for his truth to escape death. Jesus desires are for us to come to him. He's done everything. He sacrificed himself. He was in the grave. He resurrected. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us people who love Jesus, who direct us in those directions. Now we just need to put faith in him. And that faith leads us to repent. It says, you know, I'm not doing it my way. I'm going to do it your way. It leads us to have confession, that we confess that Jesus is number one and nobody else is, even ourselves. That Jesus is number one. We are immersed into water. Just like Jesus lived, he died, he was in the grave, and then he came back to life. And through faith. And, and none of this works except for faith in Jesus. <laughs> so who saves us? Jesus. And then we walk with him in newness of life. Now, do we have to go in that order? No. But we still have to have faith in Jesus. I mean, it could be used between those things. But guess what? Do it today. Start today. Faith in Jesus leads us to do those things. Jesus loves you. And I wouldn't be telling you the truth if I didn't love you either. But it's not me that's going to save you. It's Jesus. Let's pray.